It's my pleasure to introduce our speaker today, Dilla Barman. I hope I Perfect. pronounced that yeah. close Perfect. to right. Um, our topic initially started out as heart health, and, and obviously you'll see from some of the handouts that we are going to talk quite a bit about how to keep our hearts healthy. But I think there's lots of topics he could talk to us about today, so I hope we've given him enough, enough time. Um, Dr. Barman is president of the very active Triangle Vegetarian Society, and you'll see some of the handouts that you have about <coughs> that. They host the country's largest vegetarian Thanksgiving right here in Durham. He is an International Vegetarian Union Counselor and Vice President of the Vegetarian Union of North America, a teacher of courses ranging from film studies to computer science, cooking and photography, a professional photographer, and a senior software engineer. So we're always interested in lots of those topics. I think we have folks here that, that uh, might be borderline professional photographers. Uh, also an award-winning photographer who has been shooting images in black and white, color, and slides since elementary school, and with a first-generation digital camera since the mid-1990s. And he can tell you a little bit about some of the websites where we can go to to access uh, if we want to check out some of the photos that have been published in books and magazines and exhibited in museums. He is the owner of Vibrant Memories Photography, and with that, I think I'm going to turn it over to you and let you talk about some of these other things. I don't want to take too much of your time. <laughs> but thank you very much for being with us today. Well, thank, thank you, Beth. And <laughs> thank you, Beth, and thank you to everybody with the Kiwanis Club. It's an honor to be here with you. Um, I wanted to introduce a couple guests. Um, my dear wife, Sangeetha Gadboli, is, is here to, to listen in. And uh, she has a long history of service. Her father is a proud member of the uh, Rotary Club. And when you meet her father, he's, he travels internationally for the Rotary Club. He's done service for decades and decades and done a lot of contribution in India in particular. And Joseph Puentes is a new friend of mine. Uh, Joseph approached me about a month and a half ago. We have a very active group, the Vegetarian Society. We have lots of speakers. And he asked, would you like to have some of your events podcast? And I said, definitely I would. And so we've had two or three events so far. Uh, the most recent this past weekend, we had a talk on, um, on uh, muscle testing for, for strength uh, and for assessing dietary uh, problems and things of that nature. <clears throat> so um, with Beth's permission, we're, we're actually recording uh, my talk, and it will be available on the, on the web. Uh, the handout I gave you in indicates the URL. So. So welcome also to Joseph and, and Sangeetha. Before I start my comments uh, and the, the talk that I have, um, I'm, I'm speaking for an organization called Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. And I'll tell you in a minute about Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. But before I start the talk, I wanted to reflect for a moment on it being Veterans Day. And uh, I was touched by the, uh, by the comments that were made about one of your members who unfortunately is in the hospital. Um, I don't know how many of you saw Ken Burns film The War which I think you can catch the ending episode of it uh, to, uh, this Wednesday. Uh, I saw it when it was first broadcast, and every Wednesday they're rebroadcasting it. So just a quick comment that there is a video documentary project that if you know veterans, particularly from World War II, and you can videotape or interview them, the Library of Congress is seeking that kind of footage to memorialize and to remember that. So because we do have to remember the brave people who fought, especially in World War II. So, uh, Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine is an organization that was founded in 1985 as a nonprofit group, and its focus is on preventative medicine 
all too often when we uh, seek medical care, it's sometimes you know, too late to address the root causes and we, we have certain issues and then we can work on them to ameliorate and try to fix things. But PCRM is interested in trying to fix things up front, try to prevent things from happening. Okay? They're also focused on clinical research and bringing ethics into research. PCRM has more than 100,000 members, of which there's more than 6,000 doctors, nurses, uh, researchers, and other health practitioners. So today, it looks like I have 20 minutes or so. We have to finish at 1.30, I guess, so 15 or 20 minutes. I'm going to be talking about preventing and reversing heart disease. So are there aspects of your health that you would like to change, or are we all in perfect health? Maybe you'd like to lose a few pounds, bring your cholesterol down, or get away from taking as many medicines as some of us take. Maybe you're concerned about a family history of illness, or if you have a friend who has illness. So today I'm here to talk about some surprising ways to keep or move towards a healthier heart. Not by more medicines, prescriptions, bypass surgery, but through simple changes to our lifestyles, to the menu. Um, and also, as a prefatory comment, I'm not a nutritionist or a healthcare professional. I love food. I'm a foodie, <laughs> so I know something about food. Uh, I've talked internationally on, on cooking, and um, I'm involved with many organizations. Um, so I will touch on some information, and I've given you some references in your handout, and I certainly welcome follow-up through those references or, or through contacting me. If we were to take all of the parts of our circulatory system, all our veins and, and uh, arteries, and stretch them out, how many miles would that form? Can anybody guess? It's more than a mile. <laughs> it's more than a mile. Halfway around the world's one guess. Anybody else? 60,000 miles, which is more than twice going all the way around circumnavigating the Earth. More than twice. <laughs> Just one simple blockage can bring that 60,000 miles to a stop. Okay? Um, so we all know about this happening. Doctors, when they're presented with patients who have these kinds of problems, use there's all sorts of medicines, blood thinners, and things of that nature, and, and surgical procedures to keep the system running. But back in 1990, something really cool happened. There was a big change. Okay? Up till now, if you had heart disease, then you'd go to the doctor if you had the standard American diet, which is kind of sad, but if you had the standard American diet, catch my drift. <laughs> um, we would go to the doctors and start getting some, um, some medication and, and maybe eventually having surgery. But in 1990, there was a major shift. There was a young doctor working in California, Harvard trained, and he, he set out to find out whether we could not just arrest heart disease, but actually reverse it in all efforts up till then and, and really since then have, have not been successful, not been, not been you know, as successful as his. He tried to reverse heart disease, not with surgery or drugs, but with simple diet and lifestyle changes. Uh, this was inconceivable to many. How could you possibly do this? This is a major killer in the United States, um, and it was known as a one-way street. If you had heart disease, that was kind of it. You had to go the, the drug route, heart pills, maybe open-heart surgery. Many of you have heard his name, Dr. Dean Ornish. He's mentioned on this poster I have to my right, your left. And what he did, he was, um, he was in the Bay Area, he had studied at Harvard, is he studied 47 patients in the Bay Area. All of them had significant heart disease. Okay? By heart disease, what I mean is there were problems getting blood to the coronary arteries, and they were starting to narrow, pinching off blood flow and threatening the viability of the heart. Okay? So what he did, and some of them had already had heart attacks, half of, uh, uh, 
well, some of them had heart, heart attacks. He assigned half of them to a control group. And the control group, he kind of gave the standard treatment uh, that most doctors prescribe, uh, giving them a diet of, quote unquote, lean meat, poultry and fish, some medications, and the usual advice, please don't smoke. Okay? So that's what half the group got, which is what most people were getting who, who had these kinds of conditions. But it was very different what he did with the other half of the, the uh, group. They were asked to follow four steps. The first step was to follow a low-fat vegetarian diet, to get some exercise, specifically to get a brisk walk for half an hour a day or an hour three times per week. Okay, so low-fat vegetarian diet, brisk walk half hour every day or three times per week, please don't smoke, and stress management exercises. All of us, I think most of us anyhow, can uh, say that we do suffer from tremendous amount of stress in our lives. Why vegetarian? Vegetarian because cholesterol and saturated fat are, are found mainly in animal products. Okay? So his diet excluded meat, poultry, fish, and this virtually eliminated cholesterol and animal fat, as well as all sources of added fat, including vegetable oils. He didn't use any drugs whatsoever, not even cholesterol-lowering dr lowering drugs. So it was simply <coughs> diet and lifestyle. So one year later, all the patients had an angiogram. Okay, an angiogram is an x-ray that looks at what kind of blockages you might have in your coronary arteries. And he compared the results a year later to when they started the study. Okay? The results made medical history. The control group patients who had been following the traditional medical route generally hadn't improved. Their blockages generally were worse on average than at the beginning. They still had chest pain and still needed medications. Believe it or not, that's not news. If you talk to cardiac physicians, you talk to cardiac surgeons, this is typical. We can use these medications to try to control things, but it's hard to stop the progress. This actually was routine. So with typical heart treatments, heart disease usually worsens. But for patients in the experimental group who were following the vegetarian diet, exercise, not smoking, and stress management, the story was very different. Within weeks, not within a year, within weeks, chest pain began to uh, disappear. Cholesterol levels dropped dramatically, and their coronary arteries, which had gradually been closing off year after year, were starting to reopen. In fact, it was so, the effect was so great that the angiograms showed clear evidence of reopening of arteries in 80% of the patients one year later. That's pretty dramatic. It was so dramatic that he published the results initially in The Lancet, which is a very serious medical magazine in 1990, and he went on to publish in many other uh, conservative uh, medical journals, the New England Journal of Medicine, for example, uh, and many popular media as well. So people started hearing about Dean Ornish so, uh, and finding out about his techniques for reversing heart disease. So his program, if you have heart disease, you can go on his program and the results were really promising or you can follow the traditional medical techniques which cost a lot more, uh, had less, uh, less hopeful results and were more difficult to follow. I mean, his, his um, Prescription was pretty straightforward. What are the four techniques that Dean Ornish recommends? What's number one? Low-fat vegetarian diet. And what's number two? Exercise. Significant exercise. And what's number three? No smoking. And number four? Reduce stress. Remember the first three, but don't get stressed out in remembering the first three. Um, and uh, the only side effects that folks experienced who did follow this was actually a good side effect um, that the average patient lost 22 pounds. And as you know, there's an epidemic of, of obesity in the United States. A Cleveland Clinic surgeon named Caldwell Esselstyn followed up. He used the same type of diet, and actually many doctors have, have 
uh, followed up with Dean Ornish's work, but Caldwell Esselstyn used the same type of diet for severely ill heart patients. Some of them had been told they had less than a year to live. But of the 17 patients who stuck to this program, there wasn't a single cardiac event in the next 12 years. Okay? There wasn't a single cardiac event over the next 12 years. They were alive and well and had reversed their disease. Okay? Now, a lot of what I'm telling you isn't a surprise. If you, go to, um, if you go to a heart clinic and talk to the doctors, they'll say, yeah, verily, we know this. It's well-researched. We certainly acknowledge this is true. I'll tell you a little story. My dad has a healthy diet. He exercises. He doesn't smoke. He's pretty low-stress guy. He's pretty calm and all. But he had heart disease. Now, you might say, well, you know, if somebody like your dad can have it, then why don't I just carry on the way I am? Well, the thing is, there's also, uh, you know, if you have a history of, of, um, of this in your, in your family, my dad in particular, when he was very young in India, he had rheumatic fever, and he almost died. But he survived, and the doctor said, you will at some point in your life have to have some heart surgery because you've had some valve damage. Now, it's a real testament, I think, to my dad's health that at age 75, I think it was last year, that he had surgery. So he didn't have to tend to his valves till just last year. He eventually did. So I have some experience in a cardiac unit, and I was talking to his surgeon, and uh, I was shocked because on the, on the floor, you know, we requested vegetarian food and all, and first time they didn't even bring vegetarian food, and we had to correct them. And, and in my mind, it seems like in the cardiac unit, for sure all the food ought to be vegetarian. <laughs> so I asked, and what the surgeon said is, we know about this, and we are convinced it does reverse heart disease, but the patients just aren't willing to listen to this. And from our point of view, after surgery, we want people to get calories. We don't care what they're eating, but these lifestyle changes should come later. But they didn't even give a handout. I'd like them, I, I wish they'd give a simple handout like I've given you guys, that this is something you could do when you go home. But many doctors seem to think that it's too tough for, you, for people. I don't think it's tough. So that's a little bit disappointing. But think of what all this research means. 3,000 3, Americans have heart attacks every day. 40% of those heart attacks are fatal. Those who survive often go on to have another heart attack. Every day, almost 2,600 Americans die of some type of cardiovascular disease, including heart attacks, strokes, and kidney disease, caused by blockages of arteries to the kidney. This means one death every 34 seconds. But we don't have to have this kind of uh, outcome. A quick survey of cultures around the world show that heart disease isn't inevitable. It can be prevented, and as we've learned, it's been, it can be reversed. What is heart disease? It's a common, common heart disease is the growth of small areas. You've heard of um, plaques. Plaques build up. Uh, they consist of cholesterol, fat, and cells growing from an artery's muscle layer. They st sometimes start forming in young adulthood and sometimes even childhood. It takes major changes to get them to retreat, but they can, be, they can retreat by the Ornish diet. You might be wondering, is this happening to me? Is there anything I can do to improve my health? Let me mention some high-risk areas. High cholesterol levels are a high indicator, a high-risk level for, for heart disease. If you have total cholesterol level above 200, you're considered to be at risk. In a minute, I'll actually give you even a tighter goal. I'll give you a goal of 150, and I'll tell you why in a, in a few minutes. High blood pressure is another indicator. Ideally, your blood pressure should be less than 120 over 80. Excess weight, 65% of us are overweight or obese. And as we get that extra weight, it increases the risk of heart disease, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, type 2 diabetes. Type 1 and type 2 diabetes both increase our risk of heart disease, smoking, sedentary lifestyle, and having a family history. These are all risks, and we've probably heard of many of these risks factors. There are other factors as well that are less well understood. Stress, uh, men 45 years older and women 55 years and older are at higher risk. 
Um, this may have nothing to do with age, but that we've had a longer time with our standard American diets, uh, smoking, other bad habits. Um, men are more likely early in life, but women quickly catch up after menopause. Cardiovascular disease is actually the leading cause of death for both men and women in the United States. So if you have any of these risk factors, this might be a good time to consider making some changes. And, and that's kind of why I'm here today to, um, you know, as Beth said, I could talk about a lot of things, but I'm here today to kind of focus, at least for today, on um, just some ideas about how to improve our chances of reducing um, heart problems. So let's talk about cholesterol for a moment. Has anybody heard of the Framingham Heart Study? Okay, a couple of you have, it's great. It was done in Framingham, Massachusetts. Uh, I've been there, it's on Route 128, Route 95. They spend decades finding out who gets heart attacks and who doesn't. Okay? One of their key findings is the lower the cholesterol, the less chances of getting a heart attack. Okay? Where did they come up with the number 200? Um, they came up with the number 200 because it corresponds to roughly the, um, the amount of cholesterol most Americans have. So it's an easy target. Most of us hover somewhere around 200 so we can feel good about having a target that we can achieve. They actually found that 190 is better than 200, 180 is better than 190, and guess what, 170, 160, all the way down to 150. If you can reduce your uh, blood cholesterol level to 150 milligrams per deciliter, that's ideal, okay? Uh, and the risk drops. Uh, in decades of research, not a single person in the Framingham Heart Study with a cholesterol level below 150 had a heart attack, not a single one. So ideally, we should have our cholesterol levels under 150, not 200. Okay? So the first step to bring our cholesterol down is to know what is cholesterol. If you were to actually pick up cholesterol and feel it, it would be like a wax. It would, it would look and feel like wax. It's really not the same as the fat you see if you look at a raw piece of meat and you see some fat. That's not what cholesterol is. It's actually the raw material that uh, makes up our cells. If you've studied cell biology, for example, then we have cell membranes and that, the, the lipids and so forth in the cell membranes come from cholesterol. Okay. So that, that's what cholesterol is. It's important. We need cholesterol. We need to have cell mem membranes uh, and it also helps in creating hormones and other things. If we had no cholesterol, we'd be unhealthy. We do need cholesterol. But our bodies create cholesterol. It's a, these are microscopic particles. Um, but it also is in the, the muscle foods we eat, muscle cells in chick, chicken breast or salmon filet, for example. Okay? And it mainly resides in the lean portions of meats. Remember that a lot of doctors recommend lean meats? Well, that's primarily where the cholesterol lives. Okay? So it's not where the fat is, generally. Cholesterol that you eat raises your cholesterol levels, and animal products are really the only significant source of cholesterol in the diet. Okay? So, you need to remember that when you eat animal products, you're ingesting that animal's cholesterol, their cell membranes, okay? And that's added to the cholesterol that you're naturally producing. All animal products contain cholesterol. It's in chicken, it's in fish, it's in burgers. There was a guy, Dr. William Costelli, he was the former director of the Framingham Heart Study, and he had this little phrase, he said, when you see the golden arches, you're on the road to the golden gates. The, the pearly gates, the pearly gates. <laughs> that was his, his quote. <laughs> So cholesterol is different from fat. Fat actually is an even bigger problem. When you eat saturated fat, it stimulates your body to, to make more cholesterol. Looks like I have maybe five more minutes. <laughs> okay. Can I go about five, six minutes, something like that? Am I okay with that? Saturated fats are sometimes called bad fats. Uh, and a saturated fat, if you can look at it from a molecular level, you have, you have these hydrogen atoms. And a saturated fat is full of hydrogen atoms. There's no space. Okay? Unsaturated fats, there is space, okay? 
So um, it's easy to spot a saturated fat. It's solid at room temperature. Okay? Unsatur unsaturated fats like vegetable oils are, are liquid. Animal products contain substantial amounts of fat, especially saturated fat. In contrast, nearly all fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and beans are very low in fat overall with little saturated fat. Okay? So let's compare some foods. It may surprise you to know that chicken has essentially the same cholesterol content as beef. Remember, cholesterol is mainly in the lean portion. It's not the same thing as fat. But chicken's fat content isn't anything to brag about. Here are the numbers. And Sangeetha, if you could perhaps pick up the poster at the very end, and we can take a quick look at uh, a table of fat content. So um, in the interest of time, I'm actually going to just let, uh, well, there you see it. So uh, skinless chicken breast is 23%, which isn't much less than the leanest beef, 29%. An egg is at 60%. Look at broccoli, 8%. Carrots, 5%. Rice, 1% to 5%. Okay. Um, a single egg packs in about 230 milligrams of cholesterol, the most concentrated cholesterol in any common food. So the best way to lower your cholesterol is to avoid animal products. Okay? Some doctors still recommend chicken and fish diets, but these diets aren't very effective. They lower the amount of bad cholesterol, quote unquote, by about 5%. Vegetarian diet has four times that power, lowering your bad cholesterol by about 20%. Okay? Let me show you how, this tra how to translate this into the meals you love. You can start by making some simple changes, and I'll give you, um, uh, I'll brag a little bit. I've known my wife for about three and a half years now, right, Sangeetha? We've been married two years. And uh, one of the, in your handout, I've actually included a link to a blog, which is like an online diary. So what I do every day when I cook, I do all the cooking in our family, and every day I take a picture of what I've cooked, and I write about what did I make. And in the three and a half years of knowing her, I've not repeated one dinner. So every night we have something brand new that she's never ever eaten before. It's entirely vegan. We haven't really talked about veganism. That's a purely plant-based um, plant diet. And is the food boring, Sangeetha? <laughs> the other point I'm going to make is we're on the verge of Thanksgiving. And um, our area is known for our Thanksgiving. This is one of your handouts. This is the country's largest vegetarian Thanksgiving. It's 100% vegan. It's at Cafe Perizad, pretty close to where we are now. Huge venue between $22 and $26 for the, for the day. Just an amazing menu. I invite you guys to come if we can fit you in. We have an unprecedented uh, demand for this event. We're up to about 400. We're, I have a meeting right after this to see if we can open up 200 more slots for the evening. We actually have one family who's moving to Durham because of the Thanksgiving. They came two years ago. They read some national press about it. We're so impressed. They like Durham. They like the event. They like the Vegetarian Society that they're here for a week looking at houses. So. Another proof point that being a vegetarian is not boring, <laughs> not boring in the least. The food is tasty. Uh, I teach vegetarian cooking, and this last week I gave my talk, Why Vegetarian, which is a three-hour version of your half-hour <laughs> talk. <laughs> and uh, one of the main reasons, there's all this great scientific, medical, and so forth, environmental reasons, but I think the best reason to move towards a plant-based diet is really the taste. The food is just, just fabulous. Let me just give you a couple quick ideas. Breakfast, you may want to eat cereal. Instead of milk, try something like, like rice milk or oat milk or something that Sangeetha and I just really love. It's called hemp milk. Hemp isn't the marijuana that, you're, you know, that you've heard of some people, none of us for sure, smoke, but it's THC negative and it's unbelievably nutritive. So you can pick it up at Whole Foods, at Weaver Street Market, maybe the Durham Food Co-op. Add some cinnamon and raisins to your cereal for more flavor. You're getting the cholesterol and animal fat out, boosting your fiber. If you like bacon and sausage, well, you know, there's lots of analogs. Sangeetha and I don't like things that look like meat except for sausage. There's a sausage we just love. It's plant-based. They sell it at Whole Foods Market, uh, and it's called, 
field, field roast, and they, they sell these, these fabulous sausages, just extremely flavorful um, and uh, has fiber. It's, 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 a, it's a great product. So if you're into that kind of thing, there's plenty of analogs. There's bacon, there's sausage, there's fish, there's turkey. There's all these things that, that you may like that's meat. There's, there's analogs that are made out of vegetables, wheat, soy. Lunch or dinner, lentil soup, vegetable stew, sandwich made with good bread, not white bread, but go to, we're really blessed in this area. We have four Whole Foods markets. We have um, Trader Joe's. We have Weaver Street Market. We have um, uh, Guggenhof Bakery. They all have fabulous whole grain breads. Uh, and most grocery stores will sell good whole grain breads as well. Eating out is a challenge, not at all. You know, we just came back from the Southwest. We were on vacation, had fabulous Southwestern food, lots and lots of choices. We learned about the Three Sisters, which was the uh, standard in the Native American diet from, from 1,200 years ago, I think, right? That many years? The Three Sisters are what? Squash, pepper, and, uh, and uh, corn. Squash, pepper, and corn. We find eating vegetarian pretty effortless. Almost any Italian restaurant, we went to Italy last year, had a great time. Uh, we love spaghetti, which is how they pronounce it. Spaghetti with tomato sauce. Uh, if you're going out for fast food, have a veggie burger. Mexican restaurant, skip the meat taco, have bean burritos. Um, so it's pretty easy. Let me wrap up and give you some five quick tips to make the change easy. Explore, take a minute, see if you can come up with a day's worth of meals that are totally vegetarian. Experiment, um, look at some of the menu items we have on our Thanksgiving. Look at my blog, which is on your handout, and get perhaps some ideas. Cookbooks, there's numerous vegetarian cookbooks. Come up with just a few that you think you would like and experiment with them. Um, stop, step two, stock your shelves with healthy foods. Eliminate temptation, okay? Third, try transitional foods. If you want to get bacon, bacon, phony bologna, that kind of thing. I'm not actually pushing these foods that you eat them all the time. They tend to be high in sodium, but as a transition, they may be useful. Fourth, try a three-week test. Come up with a basic set of foods that you think you will like. Try them exclusively for three weeks. Make sure you like their taste and you'll be well on your way to a, to a healthy diet. Your taste buds will surprise you. You'll soon come to prefer the lighter tastes. And some of these plant-based foods aren't that light. If you buy this field roast, it's extremely heavy. You get three small slices of field roast and you're very full. Fifth, don't do it by yourself. Get company, get a loved one, a spouse, a daughter, a son, a parent. Engage them, it's more fun, and they will benefit as well. So in summary, the most powerful way to stay healthy is to put the right fuel in your body. Okay? That's one thing we, we sometimes forget in Western medicine is look at, you know, what you start with, look at what you're eating. That means a menu filled with high fiber, low fat vegetarian foods. With some simple mealtime ideas and a few tips on how to jump into a healthier way of eating, you will be equipped not only to save your own life, but to spread a life-saving message that will help your loved ones as well. So I had to go through it kind of quickly, but I think I finished pretty much on time. And I'm very happy to uh, take some questions in the Q&A and then break and I'm happy to stick around and answer any further questions. And I invite you all to check out our website on the Vegetarian Society and our, and our resources. Not only do we have Thanksgiving, but we have at least two events a month. We have restaurant reviews, we have potlucks, we have discussions on a whole range of topics. Some of them related to health, some of them related to environment, some of them related to any number of other topics. So I invite you all to check us out. How about the apple pie we Ah, <laughs> I didn't get there yet. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Enjoy it. Thank you.